When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Alright, cut the music. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World! The McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. Welcome back in, everybody. Episode 16 of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. As always, this beautiful voice that you're hearing, this esteemed gentleman, Mick Nutted. You can find me on Twitter at Iowa Michael. And as always, my favorite person, favorite guy to talk to on Wednesday nights when we record this, Adam's in the building. You can find him at ATM4D Chess on Twitter. How you doing tonight, buddy? Michael, I'm doing well. This is This is an exciting one. We got a little twist for you here on 4D this week. Yeah, it's it's not just a twofer, right? <laughs> it's not just you and who's, I. Who's the man behind the curtain? Ding dong. Let's open the doorbell. <laughs> open the door. The doorbell's ringing. Jeez, <laughs> we messed that up bad. Let's open the door and see who's behind it. It is Director of Analytics at Destination Debbie, Jordan Backus. And if you want to follow him, make sure you check him out on Twitter. At Jordan Backus, B A C K E S 33. What's going on, JB? Your first guest on 4D. This is amazing, right? You're the yeah. number one. Yeah, this is exciting times. Um, wasn't really sure how we're going to open a doorbell, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the door works. So that's, that's good. But no, I'm happy to be here, proud to be the first guest, and ready to go. Well, Adam would know all about construction terms because the man has been knee deep deep in sewage for the last week, tearing up new houses. It's been fun digging and digging and digging. So I'm I'm ready to sit down and and talk, kind of pick the mind instead of picking the dirt uh, here with JB. Well, the good thing about having JB on is he's an analytical mind. He has all the numbers, all the data, everything to tell us whether we're right or we're wrong. And what we wanted to do tonight is bring you guys, bring you Dynasty Degenerates, some of these deeper rookie targets. Everybody's going to talk to you about the first round guys, even the the early seconds, the mid seconds. But we want to dive into the shitty ones, (laughs) the ones that are outside the normal spectrum of what you really want on your team. And let's see if they have a good analytical profile, because Adam and I can sit here and BS you about how we like Ty Chandler, how we like such and such player, but let's see if the numbers actually match up. And what better way to do it than with JB, the head of analytics? That's such a good title. You're gonna have to keep that title forever. It needs to go in your Twitter bio, JB. 
Yeah, I mean, Ray, Ray kind of just gave it to me, and we're rolling with it for now. Hopefully, I can live up to that very high title. But Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Adam, one of the guys that we uh, need to dive right into at the running back position, it's going to be Damian Pierce, a guy that both you and I like uh, in these pre-NFL rookie drafts that you and I have done, six of them. I walked away with two shares. You, unfortunately, walked away with zero. This is going to be the first guy that we're going to pull up, so we'll just kick it right over to JB. From an analytical standpoint, what's your opinion or what are the numbers we need to be aware of on Davian Pierce, JB? So just to start things off, all of the mock drafts we've been doing over at Destination Devi um, since the combine, Damian Pierce has an ADP of 28.4, which is roughly the 3.04 off the board. So we are kind of picking a little bit of the low-hanging fruit here. Um, in regards to ADP and also people just liking him in general. He's kind of been one of the sleeper backs of this class. Really didn't do anything crazy in four years at Florida. Um, they had him listed at 5'10", 218. He had 329 carries for just over 1,800 yards and 23 touchdowns, and like I said, all in four years. However, he does have a lot of good traits that – you want to see out of a fantasy running back. First of all, he did lead, lead the NCAA in their PFF rushing grade for last year with a 93.5. So right off the bat, that tells you that PFF really likes him pretty much everything he does in the rushing game. Secondly, uh, looking at running backs with a minimum of 100 carries, he was fifth in elusive rating and only second in the class behind Walker. Damn. Um, so, I mean, he he didn't, like I said, do anything crazy special. The counting stats weren't necessarily there. But when he got the ball, he was a force. And that's just the rushing game. One of his biggest attributes is really in the receiving game. So he actually lined up in the slot on just over 13% of his snaps last year. And just under 6% of his snaps were lined up outside wide. So about 22% of his snaps, he was lining up as a receiver. Wow. He actually ended up with a 1.8 yards per route run, which is kind of nuts for a running back. So just the versatility alone makes Damian Pierce pretty much a steal in the third round. So when you're talking about yards per route run for the running back, what's kind of like the threshold where you start to get excited when you see – you said 1.8 is really good for a running back. So what's uh, – if we're just looking at it, the, the analytic dummies that we are, What's a good sticky yards per route run for the running back that we should kind of be keeping in the back of our head? Um, you know, truth be told, I really haven't done too much testing on it, so I don't want to give you a bad answer. But I know for receivers, really anything over two is good. And with Pierce approaching that as a running back, that that alone tells you enough right there. That, yeah. yeah, perfect answer, exactly what I was looking for. Even if, even if you don't have an exact model or haven't, data tested it like just to know that receivers over two is good and if you're getting 1.8 at the running back position where you start your routes from the backfield that's huge that's massive that he's getting 1.8 that, that is very impressive it's kind of it kind of mimics some of the stuff that we heard out of the senior bowl right he was very impressive down at mobile in those practices and looked very good in the receiving game he's got the requisite size i think the only thing that's ever been really concerning with Damian Pierce is one, obviously, is he going to get the draft capital? Right. And 
from some of like what I what I hear, it sounds like he's a pretty hot target for a lot of NFL teams and might surprise where he does get draft capital. The second part is I always had this question on why he wasn't getting more run at Florida. But when I dug into Florida and just look at counting stats, right, carries, it seems like Dan Mullen was just dead hell-bent on having a three-back system, kind of similar to uh, us Philadelphia Eagles fans with the the way like Sirianni or Doug Peterson in the past always wanted this running back by committee. So it looks like JB, he was very highly efficient when he did get some run. And I would assume this is a guy that you personally will be targeting kind of in that area. Do you think he's, he's going in about the correct ADP or should he actually be going a little bit higher? Um, you know, I, I think he's probably around the range he needs to be, potentially a little bit higher. I mean, guys right above him, at least at the running back position, Kyron Williams, James Cook, Brian Robinson. So, I mean, maybe he can move up a few spots. There are some other guys like Trey McBride, Carson Strong, Justin Ross just ahead of him. So with a decent landing spot and some pretty good draft capital, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm looking right now and Mock Draft Database has him at 108th, so just about early fourth round. And just looking at some quick hit rates um, for a top – or uh, yeah, looking at just top 24 hit rates for fourth round running backs, it's about a 14% hit rate. So obviously not stellar. You still want the day one, day two guys. But if there were a day three guy, especially someone like Damian Pierce who might be in the early fourth round, I'm taking a shot on him – late second I mean really depends on on how you're feeling about the guys ahead of him like I said maybe even mid second I would start thinking about him Adam for you when we were doing these drafts have you kind of noticed too I mean we've done a billion mock drafts it seems like we've done actual rookie drafts for money have you kind of noticed that after the second round it kind of just seems like all the guys from like 207 through damn near the fourth round are just kind of in the exact same tier. There's not a lot separating those kind of guys. Yeah, it's kind of a shoot your shot, you know, decide, pick your flavor, so to speak, right? I I didn't happen to get any Damian Pierce in the five or six we did um, pre-NFL draft there. I wish I would have gotten my hands on him a couple times, especially when I start hearing JB excited about his receiving chops. That, That really excites me knowing his size, right? I mean, the guy is... His BMI is going to be really good. If he's if he's a fourth-round running back and he can catch the ball to the backfield, like I look at player profile, they have him compared to, with Chris Carson, right? Like if you're telling me he's got that type of a build, he doesn't have the home run speed, but if he's getting opportunity and then he's good as a receiver, I, I like shooting my shot on him, man, late second, early third. I, I wish I would have gotten my hands on him a little more. I'm not going to be shocked if next week we're we're looking at – you know, maybe a back end round three, so a day two guy. Yeah, like now the, if, that ha- if that happens, man, I think you'll see. Up. You'll think you'll see his ADP rise pretty decently. He'll be probably a almost solidified second round rookie pick, I'd say, in this class. Well, keep that in mind, Dynasty degenerates. Damian Pierce, a guy to keep your eye on, where he goes in the draft, his landing spot, his profile looks really nice, size, speed, and. Like JB had mentioned, that 1.8 yards per route run, pretty impressive 
like JB said, when most receivers who are considered good are just over two. So Damian Pierce, man, I'm glad I got two shares of him. Sorry about your luck, Adam. <laughs> Let's move on to another running back, <laughs> a guy that you have some shares of. Quite okay. That's going to be Zonovan Knight. Bam Knight. You ended up with three shares in these rookie drafts that we had. I ended up with one. So between six drafts, we got four out of the six. JB, Bam Knight, what are your thoughts on his analytical profile? So once again, starting it off, he is going around 36.9 for ADP, and that's about the 402. Um, So he is 5'11", 209, which is pretty decent size. In his three years at NC State, he put up 464 rush attempts, just under 2,300 yards, and 18 touchdowns. Um, One of the things that we talked about, Damian Pierce being a versatile receiver, Zonovan Knight is kind of there. Um, He received 20-plus receptions in both his sophomore and junior years, but most of them were mostly dump-offs. So he actually had a negative negative .1 average target depth throughout his career. So they're looking to get him the ball, but not really as a weapon down the field. Um, A little bit different from Pierce in that sense, but they are still looking to get him the ball any way possible. In his sophomore year, he was fifth in the class, this 22 class that is, in PFF run grade with 87.1, which just edged out Brees Hall. So he actually had a better sophomore year, according to PFF, than Brees Hall. I mean, that's that's kind of telling of what type of season he had in his true breakout season as a sophomore. I would say the one thing that really excites me kind of when I look at Bam Knight from the, not just the, the analytics that you were pointing out here, but the one thing that I don't know if you can consider it analytics. I'm sure there's a metric out there for it, but the guy plays special teams returns kickoffs right. primarily. And he's had, he's had some big ones over his career. And that's something which is always when you're talking about these kind of uh, where we're hoping like they get back in round three capital or we're hoping like early day three, round four, round five to stick on NFL rosters, the ability to play some sort of special teams, whether that's kick return, punt return, gunner, you know, whatever the case may be. Think of like uh, Kenny and Wangu. Yes. Kind of the same thing. If you can stick on a roster because of that it lends yourself to more opportunity to actually get playing time at the NFL. So Adam, I know you're a, you're a big Bam Knight guy. You got three shares of him. What are your thoughts on him? What was your selling point on taking Bam Knight as a, a target in these, these third, fourth rounds in these drafts? Yeah. Real quick too, on that, on that, right. When you talk about the special teams, you, you remember, if you remember week one, Trey Sermon was a, a healthy scratch. He was left in the taxi squad, right? It's because he doesn't play special teams. Right. And he was not, on the depth chart high enough to where, okay, we're going to play you at just running back. So it gives you an opportunity to get on the field. And ultimately, especially on those later rounds, we're looking for just guys that when given an opportunity can produce for your fantasy team, if that's the case. So Zonovan Knight to me, man, I, JB, I'm interested to see what you say about his receiving pedigree too, because that was one of the things that kind of excited me over 20 catches, both the last two seasons there at NC state, like, I think he has a chance to be someone that's on the field for three downs if he if he's given the opportunity. No, I, I'm with you there. I mean, he's shown that he can catch the ball. It's just that NC State, like I said, didn't use him as a downfield threat. Right. So he actually had a negative 1.3 average depth of target 
his last year. So they're throwing him kind the of, ball yeah. well behind the line of scrimmage, not even at it. So they're, <laughs> they're forcing it to him behind the line of scrimmage just to get it in his hands. Gotcha. Okay. Pretty much. And the the team was somewhat void of talent, so it's pretty much get your get your guy the ball and let him do what he can. So it, it makes sense. But just the fact that he did catch 47 balls throughout his three-year career there is it, it's telling enough that saying, okay, you can catch the ball. Let's see how we can use you. Yeah. Is it is it any bit concerning like his low, relatively low usage numbers? So I'm just looking up counting stats. You know, 140 carries seems to be about where he capped out at. You know, he did have a sophomore year of 143, but his freshman year 136, junior year 140. Is he is he kind of destined for that kind of work in the NFL too? Maybe not a true three down kind of guy, but more of the change of pace. Maybe the 40 percent in the 60 40 backfield. Is that kind of what you get your impression of too? Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance of that. I I don't know if he'll ever be a true three down workhorse. Like obviously we all want, but how many of those are actually in the NFL right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if, if, I mean, if he can be the the latter half of a split backfield, like you said, that's that's pretty good. I mean, he did have um, just over just under, excuse me, 130 missed tackles for it, so he is pretty pretty elusive in that sense and he did have just over 3.5 yards after contact per attempt so he is a pretty decent runner um he looks he he's able to take a tackle or a hit pretty well and keep going um but the the cap at about 140 attempts like you were saying that really doesn't worry me too much just because i mean like we said how many guys are really getting that bulk of the workload at the nfl level yeah, it does kind of seem like too in college. We just talked about Damian Pierce too. They're they're kind of in that running back by committee mode in a lot of these colleges too, right? The the, the bell cows are kind of going by the wayside just about everywhere. But just something I wanted to point out because it did seem like you know once he gets to 140 carries, they're just going, all right, that's enough. <laughs> you, you don't need any more. We don't want to get you hurt. But he, he looked really good too. I remember watching when Ray did uh, the film breakdown on him. Man, he he looked. Th- it wasn't always a run be- that was like breaking into a huge yardage thing, but you could just tell that he had he had good vision and really popped on tape a few times. That it wasn't like a super explosive play, but you could see that he has some some of the upside that if he gets the opportunity at the next level. So I do see on the uh, the data sheet form, right, his uh, player card. If y'all want to check that out, make sure you're hitting up patreon.com forward slash all gas, the Notion database with all these prospects where you can just easily find one, click on it. JB has these dope-ass player cards in here. But it does show, you know, a true freshman breakout season. How important to you, JB, from an analytical standpoint, for the running back specifically, is is breaking out as a true freshman? Does it matter at all, or is it just kind of something nice to talk about? I mean, you, you want to see the guys break out their freshman year. You know, you want to see them do their best or at least hit that threshold right out of the gate, whether it be receiver, quarterback, whatever. So having that true freshman breakout, it, it's important just to see, okay, this guy can play. However, at, at the running back position, I don't think it's as important as it is for, say, receivers. Um but, I mean, it's always nice to see that type of production at an early age, especially when you're going against guys potentially bigger, stronger, older than you. All right. Keep that in mind there. Zonovan Knight, 
Would you have him at 36 for the ADP? So about the back part of the third round. You got Damian Pierce at the beginning part of the third round and Zonovan Knight at the back part of the third round. Obviously, this is going to change next week when we know draft capital and landing spot. You're going to have some movers, some fallers. But another running back to keep in mind. And the third running back that we're going to talk about tonight, this is an Adam special. Uh, we, we, did a, we did a shit show podcast just titled Six Degrees of Kevin Harris because Adam <laughs> – Everything he wants to do is talk about Kevin Harris. He ended up with four shares by himself of Kevin Harris already. JB, Kevin Harris, I know going into this year, Ray was talking about him as possibly the third running back in this class. Now some injuries, back injuries, and Zaquandre White kind of kind of dampened some of that. But he still did declare, finished strong to the end of the year. How's his analytical profile look to you? So he did measure in at 5'10", 221 at the Combine. Um, he just had un- just under 2,000 yards rushing in his collegiate career, which was mostly bolstered by his sophomore season. So in that season, he had 185 carries, 1,138 yards, and 15 touchdowns. So pretty impressive as a true sophomore there. Um, he actually was sixth in this 2022 class with an 86.0 run grade his sophomore year. So he, like Bam Knight, produced very well in a bigger, excuse me, in a better conference, obviously the SEC. Um, like you like you touched on, the injury with the back really hampered him this last year, or at least people think. He really never got going. And like you said, Zaquandre White was there taking away a lot of carries and production as well. So he's he's a guy that, like you touched on, Ray really liked, I really liked after a sophomore year. And he's kind of just the forgotten guy now because of, I mean, you, you see his last year and you kind of forget about what he did the year prior. I think for me, one of the things that stood out is we, we didn't get to see what we were hoping coming into the year. Right, what what we were anticipating, but we did see glimpses of it at least. Right, the the Florida game sticks out to me, over a hundred yards against Florida in a win, and then the UNC game. Right, I'm watching the UNC game for Sam Howell. Let's go, Sam Howell. Let's sign me up. And what happens? Kevin Harris comes out and then reminds everybody why we were so high on him. Thirty-one carries, hundred eighty-two yards, and a touchdown. Yep, just absolutely put the team on his back at that game. Very impressive to see him kind of finish strong. Now the Clemson game, he didn't do much, but we'll just we'll discount that. If you finish the last game of your college career, thirty-one carries, one hundred eighty-two yards, and a touchdown, I'd say you finished pretty strong. But his combine pro day performance was disappointing. But I did hear that he did you know pull a hamstring and pull up. So I don't know how much stock you're going to put into the athletic testing numbers. That true sophomore season is going to stick with me forever, though. Just yes. how good he was in the SEC as a true sophomore. Like, I, I pull up the player card that you made for him, JB, and you see that dominator rating, and you see that yards per touch per team play, both in the green, and the dominator rating heavily in the green. That's good. Kevin Harris is one that I'm excited about. Adam, obviously you are. What, what's your biggest selling point when you push the button four times on Kevin Harris? Is it that sophomore season or the way he closed to, to end the year that made you do it? Yes, it's both. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looked really good in that last in that game, right? And then I think the sophomore season will always stick with me. What he did in ten games as a sophomore, it was unbelievable, right? At the SEC, and I think the final selling point to me, Mike, is I got him four times, but it's in the fourth round, right? Like when I get to the fourth round, Mike, you I can't ask for something better than Kevin Harris. Like, okay, if Kevin Harris completely flops and I miss four times, I miss four times. But we, we just talked about all the traits, all the reasons analytically we like this player. What what if he becomes a thing? Like in the fourth round, what show me the other guys in the fourth round, JB or Mike, that have the upside of Kevin Harris if everything breaks right. That's why I keep that's why I kept pressing the button. I cannot see a player in that range that offers the upside of Kevin Harris. I just don't see it. I'm no, with I'm, you on I'm, that I'm really with you there. Sorry to cut you off. Um, but that's that's kind of the whole point of Kevin Harris. You know, I mean, if you're getting them at the 401, 402, 403, I mean, like we even talked about earlier, that mid-second to third pushing into the fourth round is kind of just a, a jumble of players that you're taking shots on. So if you're getting a guy like Kevin Harris in the early fourth, yeah, sign me up every time. I don't want to make it seem too either like that, that mid second down to the, you know, the fourth round, end of the fourth round. Like those are bad players. I'm, I'm really excited to draft these guys. It's just such a weird year because I've never seen it so, so close. I mean, we're talking about Damian Pierce to lead it off. He's got an early third round ADP. We got Kevin Harris. I mean, Adam in our, 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 rookie mock drafts he's in the fourth round solidly and then in the actual drafts that we're doing he's in the fourth round yeah I mean, we're, we're talking a good 12 13 14 picks between damian pierce and kevin harris and as prospects or as i'm pushing the button on them there's not a lot of difference between them like just subtle differences and i could see myself if i did drafts a hundred times and you could guarantee me i would get either one to damian pierce or kevin harris I honestly think I'd probably come out of it like 50-50 just because they're that close to me. And then you throw in Bam Knight, same same kind of thing. He's He even has a lower ADP than Kevin Harris. He was going to the mid part of the fourth round in these drafts we're doing. So, man, I, I love the fact that you have so many choices here. And, and we're not even talking about one of our favorites, Ty Chandler. Right. But the main theme of these three guys that we're talking about right here is I'm with you, Adam, and all these guys. Comparative to a Jerome Ford or comparative to a James Cook or maybe to some extent uh, uh, Brian Robinson. These are guys that I think if everything breaks right for them, I think their upside is just too enticing for me to go like a James Cook route. Now, Brian Robinson, a little bit different because he does have that size and speed. But I would imagine if JB looked at him from an analytical perspective, not that great outside of this past year. Sure. Right? We, we, he didn't get the opportunity. Now he buried on the depth chart. But we talk about Bam Knight. Now we just talked about Kevin Harris. All these running backs. Keep that in mind when you guys are watching the drafts next week and trying to formulate what targets you're going to go after. I really think that once you get past like 207, 208, and this is right now. If, if nothing 
if nothing drastic changes and the people get draft capital that we think are going to get draft capital or somebody doesn't jump up into the second round, something shocking. But just keep these guys in mind that, hey, in the third round and the fourth round, here are three running backs that we heard talked about on 4D. We heard the analytics from JB on. I'm good if I draft these guys at any one of these spots. It's not a reach. If you're a Kevin Harris guy and you want to take him at the top of the third, go for it. It's not a reach. It's well, not well, a reach because they're so damn close. That was the last thing I was going to hit on, Mike, is in the in the early parts of the third, I ended up getting my hands on some of the players you mentioned earlier. Ty Chandler was one that I really got a lot of the early third. But I would have been fine taking Kevin Harris in the third. But then what happens is when I'm sitting on fourth that I haven't moved for whatever reason, he's sitting there in the fourth. So if you're listening for the Dynasty Degenerates, right, if you're listening to this, and you like Kevin Harris, you like some of the things you're hearing us talk about, JB talk about, and you are like, okay, I have the 303. No, it's not a reach to take Kevin Harris, especially before we know what happens with the NFL draft capital. So I'm all aboard the Kevin Harris train, if you can't tell. I love it, man. All right, we did the running backs. Now let's dive into a couple wide receivers that I think deserve some strong consideration in the same parts. First one's going to be Justin Ross, and a guy that Adam and I disagree on quite a bit as of late on Justin Ross. But JB, you're the unbiased third party. Give us the numbers on Justin Ross and what your opinion of him is. So right off the bat, just want to say one of you is either going to be happy and the other is going to be <laughs> upset. But Ross I, I, is one I, of the I'm guys. sitting on pins and needles. Yeah. Um, so Justin Ross is a guy that I actually really like. Yeah. And, it's especially because it's at his ADP right now. And at the the mocks we're doing, he's going at 25th overall, 3.01. So if you're taking someone like Justin Ross in the third round, like we mentioned, all these running backs, I mean, all these receivers, it's kind of pick your flavor. And Justin Ross is my kind of guy. So he is 6'4", 205. He did not have a very good pro day. He ran a adjusted 4.6940, which gave him a 90.4 speed score, and put, that puts him in the 37th percentile. And he also had a 7th percentile burst. So the athletics are not there, but he dominated his freshman year. Um, we obviously talked about yards per route run with Damian Pierce, and I said, yeah, two's, two's a decent marker for – Receivers, well, as a true freshman, Justin Ross almost had five yards per route run. He had 4.98. And that was with freshman Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. So he had 46 receptions, 1,000 yards, and nine touchdowns as a true freshman. That season, he had a 91.2 PFF reception grade. That's the third best season out of all the receivers in this class, only behind Drake London and Sky Moore. So, yes, he has his flaws with the injuries and the lack of production the past few years and kind of falling off after his freshman year. But after that season, him and George Pickens were fighting for wide receiver one. I'm a pretty firm believer in the talent just doesn't disappear like that. So if we're looking at third-round receivers, Justin Ross has got to be on the top of your board. 
I I am the big Justin Ross fan of this show. Between Adam and I, I will fight for him to the grave because exactly what you said there at the end. I don't think that just disappeared. I don't think his freshman season, that talent just went away. I vividly remember watching him dominate Alabama and and make T. Higgins look like an afterthought in that game where it was the Justin Ross show. And Adam can attest to my love for T. Higgins, how much I love him. And I watched Justin Ross make him look like an afterthought. Now, the injuries are scary. The neck issue and then... I believe it was a Liz Frank injury to his foot, a broken foot that did him in this past cut his season short. So one of my arguments that I've had with Adam is maybe some of the athletic testing numbers look bad because he's still working his way back from it. And if that's the case, I mean, what is his true upside, his true ceiling? His Is it possible that we get back to – 80 90 percent of what we saw his true freshman year i think it is and in the third round at his adp i'm willing to take a shot at it i know you said you got him at 25 in your adp in the six drafts we did he's more like a mid third he's going uh 306 in ours see that that's an absolute steal to me and like, it, like we said these third rounds especially in this class I mean, yes, the, the, there are very good players in the first round, but it gets thin quick. And if you're telling me I can get a guy like Justin Ross who did what he did throughout his collegiate career in the mid-third round. And like I said, he was wide receiver 1-1-A with Pickens after their freshman year. That Yeah, sign me up. I, I get it. Maybe the injuries did sap some of it. Maybe we'll never get it back. But in, in the third round at that price, I'm willing to pay that price to find out, right? It's It's – it's like playing uh, Texas Hold'em, right? Sometimes you just gotta pay to see the, You gotta pay to see the river card. You gotta you gotta pay. You gotta pay to see what's gonna happen. And, and this is one I'm willing to pay on. I think his his hand. You're sitting on possible pocket aces, right? I want to see what that river card is to see if I hit it or not. But Adam, you're a little sad over there. I'm not. I'm not sad. I'm not sad. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm excited for this because Mike said he want he will. Defend this man to the grave. And I feel like that was a good line because I feel like that's where he currently is. It's, he's in the grave, man. And it's it's a good transition for me because, listen, if we're talking about Justin Ross in 2018 and he wasn't hurt, yes, I'm pressing the button. I, I agree with all of those things. But he did have the neck injury. He did have the list, Frank. He has not shown well in any workout metric at all. Like, how many years do we have to go – back to to say Justin Ross all right I'm with you JB because I don't think talent just evaporates but I do think injuries can erode talent right and that's to me where in the third like some of those guys we just discussed I prefer to take them knowing that their health is probably okay and I'll just take the shot on them and listen if Justin Ross ends up like I'm rooting for the kid the guy right I don't want someone to be hurt a talent to just go away and it's a tragedy if he if he had all these injuries derail his career because he's a, he is a special talent. But at this point, his ADP in the early third um, and banking that his 2018 season is who he's going to become, to me, that is something I'm having a hard time doing. And th- th- those are the reasons why I'm just going to pass on Justin Ross unless it gets really low, which it, it's not. The name's too big. You're not going to get him much later than that. 
So I ask you a question here, Adam. What if the NFL tells us different? What if the NFL drafts him in the early part of the third round or something crazy the late part of the second round? What well, if they pair him back up with a Scottish teammate, Trevor Lawrence? He goes to Jack. Okay. I'll say this. It would help his case, but I think for me the problem is going to be then his ADP is going to rise significantly, and then I'm going to have even a harder time drafting him, right? Because now I'm going to have to draft him ahead of like Trey McBride and people probably. If he got second round draft capital, he's going to move pretty significantly from 301, I think, right? I mean, I like I like David Bell, and we're just hoping that he gets round yeah three he could, capital. He could be in the grave too here if he doesn't get the the round three capital, man. I mean, why aren't we having the same kind of discussion around Justin Ross, I guess is my opinion, because we we haven't seen any athletic testing that inspires a lot of confidence from David Bell. And like Ray said, that's not how he wins on the football field anyways. We, we knew he wasn't going to wow you with his athleticism. Yeah, Justin Ross kind of has that similar thing. He makes some highlight plays, but he never looked like a 4-3 burner. He never no. looked like George Pickens. It was the body control or the spectacular catches that he was making or his ability after the catch that inspired that, hey, 1A, 1B, Pickens, Justin Ross after their freshman year. So if we're kind of both holding out that hope for a guy like David Bell, who we also just cream over because of that early freshman breakout, and who's not athletic, why don't we kind of carry the same weight with a Justin Ross? Why is there why is there damn the near around an ADP difference between the two? The, the injuries, right? I mean, if D- David Bell's been good on the field. Like, we, we've known he was a average athlete, uh, so, <laughs> below average athlete at best, right? But he's he's always been David Bell. Like, he, he's not – there's not the injury that really scares you. We just know he doesn't win super athletically. I mean, I, I don't know what – I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's out there. What was Justin Ross's workout metrics? Do we have, like, his spark score from when he was in high school? You know, do like we have – Yeah, when he was coming out. Do, do, do we know some of those right? things? Because, like, I, I'm just worried that some of these injuries have completely zapped the excellent talent that he was in 2018. And we're we're pretty far from moved from 2018 to 2022. Is my, my That's my concern with Justin Ross, period. Yeah, I have – the best I could find was a 487 in high school. Justin Ross and we we know a lot of times the high school 40s today are a lot different than their college and and NFL 40s because they're getting more athletic right still not inspiring he I don't know he's never seemed like a guy too that's just gonna dominate you with athleticism kind of the shitty part is he's got a lot of T Higgins to his game and and T Higgins was another guy that got dunked on because he didn't run he didn't run as, as great but it's not it's not his game I don't know to me I feel like he needs to be more in the conversation with David Bell. I'm not ready to put him right now today above David Bell because they both have a lot of similar concerns, athleticism, draft capital, et cetera. But all those numbers JB are are mentioning, like you think back to that and I think back to how good he was. Yes. I I agree with you. It can erode it, but I don't think it just vanished. There's a good enough explanation to explain away why he tested so damn poorly athletically similar to this same conversation right or wrong maybe i'm doing it all over again but a couple years ago with lavisca chanel oh he's got a core muscle injury why are you running the 40 right you shouldn't he's much faster than that i've seen him on the field kind of the same thing like i said it may be right or wrong 
when I think about what I said earlier about these running backs, though, I mean, it's really just go get your guy season. And yeah, as I, long as his ADP stays relatively 208 plus, I'm good with it. Yeah. Shoot your shot wherever you feel like. I, I, I'll say, let me let me wrap up by saying this. I, it's not a, uh, a hate. Like, I don't hate Justin Ross, the person, the player. I, I am just because of all those concerns. I would rather take some of these other players that are going after him than pressing the button the button on Justin Ross. So th- th- that's where I stand, uh, Dynasty Degenerates. All right. Well, there's way too long of a Justin Ross. Why, why not? Let, let, let's have it out, you know? Let's have a disagreement on 4D for once. Finally. Let's see if we disagree about this one. Next wide receiver we're going to talk about, the only other wide receiver we're going to talk about, I think really worth mentioning, is Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. Small school guy. But, man, Ray, Ray posted some pictures when he was down there in Mobile and some of the uh, the feedback we're getting. Apparently, Jalen Tolbert's just rocked up. <laughs> man hits the gym hard. So, JB, Jalen Tolbert, what do the numbers say about him? How excited should we get about possibly drafting Jalen Tolbert in our rookie drafts? So, yeah, I remember when Ray mentioned that, and it kind of kind of surprised me when he only weighed in at 194 pounds, um, 6'1", for height, but it kind of looked a little bigger at the senior bowl, might have slimmed down a little bit for running and whatever other athletic testing he did. But um, four-year player at South Alabama, everyone kind of liked him along the way, especially after his junior season of 64 catches, 1,085 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, 2.58 yards per route run there. Um, kind of kind of was a little bit of a shocker when he went back to school for his senior year. Might have been loyal to the school or wanted to stay home, obviously, from South Alabama there. But he did um, have a career yards per route run of 2.55 with almost a 16-yard average target depth. And he did spend 86% of his snaps out wide. Um, this last season, he saw a little bit more inside work with a 33, almost 34% slot rate. So they did try to work him in and outside when they could. Um, but for athletics, he did run a 4.4940, which was 70th percentile, and gave him a 95.5 speed score, was just about average at 56th percentile there. So not a crazy good athlete. Right around, I think it was 70th percentile for everything. So definitely above average, but nothing crazy. Good production at a small school. Um, Just kind of another one of those guys in the third. I don't think he'll ever make it to the fourth. But there's been some rumors of decent draft capital, potentially um, day two, mid third would be awesome. Um, But anything on day two would be nice to see. But getting him in the third round, around the same range you're getting guys like um, Alec Pierce, John Mechie, Wandale Robinson, Khalil Shakur. I mean, I'm taking Tolbert over all those guys. I like it. I'm a, I'm a Tolbert guy. I didn't get a lot of Jalen Tolbert, though. Adam and I both kind of fell into the trap where people were fading Damian Pierce, Bam Knight, Kevin Harris, Ty Chandler, some of our favorite running back targets way too much. So I only ended up with one share of Jalen Tolbert. Goes along with my one share of Justin Ross, Adam, He's not taking receivers at all. He said, fuck them receivers. I ain't taking them. Yeah, uh, uh, I didn't get – I'll say this, though. I do like Jalen Tolbert quite a bit. I wish I would have gotten some Jalen Tolbert. I, I, I would take Jalen Tolbert ahead of Justin Ross. And 
if they both were day three or uh, round three picks, I'm sorry, day two picks, round three, give, give me Jalen Tolbert, man. I got, I, I like what he's done. I, I think he's, there, there's something about his game I just really like too. And, and I wish he would have come out. He was the early declare guy, like JV was kind of alluding to. Would have made sense. I mean, the sophomore breakout had a really good junior season. I don't necessarily know what brings you back to South Alabama, but. He, he he showed out there and he did well at the senior bowl. So I I, I still like Jalen Tolbert quite a bit in the third round. Was he really a redshirt senior this year? His fifth year in college this year? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just actually saw that. This was his fifth year. So he did essentially do nothing as a freshman. His first real season was his second year in 2018. I guess it was his sophomore year. He only had three catches. And then like Adam said, he broke out his third year. With uh, 521 yards and six touchdowns, with a 35.1 dominator rating. Yeah, it is good to see though across the board. If you're going to go back for your fifth year, your your redshirt senior year, that he did improve across the board in his numbers. Right, right. Like, looking at this player card, every one of them except for dominator rating stayed the exact same, but his re- receiving reception share went up, his yards per team pass attempt went up. His weighted dominator rating went up. I mean, he he had almost fifteen hundred yards and eight touchdowns, right? I mean, in in twelve games, like he showed out, man. Yeah, and, and actually, like you said, everything went up except dominator rating. But as a receiver, it's it's difficult to go up when your dominator rating is thirty five percent, and you go up yeah. to forty two percent your your senior year there. So it's yeah, it's tough to improve on that, and somehow he. Kind of did like like you said, his weighted dominator rating, which weights yards as eighty percent and touchdowns for twenty percent, that went up every year. So he ended up with a forty five point seven percent weighted dominator rating his final year. While while there are some red flags, I I don't think we need to double double ding him because he's a fifth year you know senior. He already has some knocks against him, but that's why his ADP is where it is. You're taking a fifth-year senior, small school prospect, and you're taking him in the mid to back part of the third round, maybe the early part of the fourth round. Our ADP has him going at 310 in the actual real money rookie drafts we did. And one of those is going to be me because I reached, because I wanted at least one share in Jalen Tover. I wouldn't feel good about myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's where – Destination Debbie has him too. We had him at 33.9, which is about the 3.08. Not bad. Not bad. Jalen Tober, one to keep an eye on out there. Those are those are really really the two most exciting wide receiver prospects if I'm looking at the third and the fourth round. Yes, there is a Calvin Austin, but Adam and I have kind of talked about quite a bit. The the five foot eight wide receivers, I don't think I'm gonna play in that yard anymore. And I'll just if a five foot eight wide receiver hits, I'll uh, I'll go trade for him later. Let's let, let me see it first. I don't want to I don't want to risk it all. But if I'm targeting wide receivers in those rounds, Tolbert, Justin Ross, I really want those guys over uh, Khalil Shakir, Calvin Austin. You know some of these other wide receivers kind of in that range. This is really just a uh, a running back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is, and, yeah. and I think that's the big thing too is. Like when I when when I, when we start really diving into this twenty two rookie class, right? And super flex, tight end premium. What we what we're gonna do when we're drafting? 
I think after Sky Moore at receiver, right? It just you, you, I, I I'd be okay not taking any of them. Honestly, there's just a bunch of running backs in that range that I think that if everything breaks right, they have a little more upside. And I think that's why, even though I do like Jalen Tolbert, I ended up not having any of him because of I'd have to take him in the third, early fourth. Where I can get, you know, Kevin Harris, like we talked about, some of these other guys that we just talked about earlier in the episode. I'm going to shoot my shot there. I think a lot of times in the third and fourth, as long as everything breaks like ADP showing. Nope, I'm I'm 100 percent with you there. I'm only done one pre-draft rookie draft right now. We're just about to hit the third round, and there's really no receivers outside of the two we talked about that I want to take shots on. I'm I'm almost tempted to trade up just to get some of the running backs we just talked about. And right. That's, that's pretty much what we've seen. I mean, I'm looking at the ADP now and it, it's colored with receivers as green and running backs as blue and top of the board. Yeah. You got your, your early running backs. Cool. But then you got your big, big name receivers there. And like you said, Sky Moore, John Dotson, that's kind of the cutoff. And then out of the next 20, 25 lines, 50%, if not more, probably 60% is blue. So those are all the running backs people are taking shots on. And if you go even further down into the fourth round, it's mostly all blue. Yeah. So this this year is really a year to get your receivers early and then take your dart throws on late second, third, fourth round running backs. I, I mean, like that a lot. The, the other thing too is there, there's also because of the way the running back landscape is, right? You, you got Brees, you got Walker, and if you're believing that Spiller's going to get the draft capital, like that, like there is a hard cutoff after that, right? And, and for some people, it's going to be before Spiller. So if you don't get one of those two, you're going to be just shooting your shot later at the running back position. I would say to just keep this in mind, because I had this discussion the other day in the Heisman chat, voice chat, about these third, fourth round wide receivers. So think back a couple of years ago. Darnell Mooney was a favorite target of a lot of people. We take Darnell Mooney. I think we can all agree that Darnell Mooney has been a success at the NFL level. 140 targets, 1,000 yards, four touchdowns last year with Allen Robinson on the team and Allen Robinson doing fuck all in Chicago and the struggles of Justin Fields. Darnell Mooney has been a hit. Darnell Mooney is struggling to hold an eighth-round ADP in startups. It, it, he, he gets to the early part and then people just start to shit on him and try to tear him apart. Now this is a late round wide receiver who was a hit. We would pray that a Justin Ross or Jalen Tolbert, Khalil Shakir, Calvin Austin, Wandell Robinson, any one of these guys could have the success that Darnell Mooney. Now think about it conversely at the running back position over the past two years, two years ago, James Robinson last year, Elijah Mitchell, these third, fourth, fifth round running back targets that you you take and they hit. Now, there was all kinds of conversations about James Robinson going into last year. People were taking him maybe fifth, sixth round, even with Travis Etienne on the team. Before Travis Etienne, I was a big proponent of, hey, send a first and a second, go get you James Robinson. Look what he did. He finished as RB3. Elijah Mitchell, he has a fifth round startup ADP right now after the year that he just had. So if these running backs that you're going to take in the third, fourth, fifth round hit, just know that they're 
ceiling, their return, what you could get. If you're not a true believer in their long-term outcome, they're, they're gonna, always going to be worth more than what one of these receivers who, who hits is going to yeah. be. Yeah, and and the I only mean, caveat is, is maybe Terry McLaurin as the only like true huge success story from like a third round, you know, draft pick in rookie drafts to where he's being valued out currently. But it's been a massive struggle for him. But yes. I just I look at Darnell Mooney currently and I'm like, man, nobody wants to really buy in on Darnell Mooney because they're still valuing him in the eighth round of a startup. That's that's wild to me when he's hit so successfully over his first two years. Yeah, and I mean it, I don't th- there is not a later target that is the prospect of this said player but think of the late second just a year a couple years ago right you're getting the antonio gibson like if it all breaks for the running backs like you can go through and see in those ranges late second early third early fourth and they pop they end up getting a lot of work they end up getting three down work in the case of you know james robinson gibson elijah mitchell like the, the upside is just so much higher for those players. Oh, let's transition into the last part, the last couple of prospects that we're going to talk about. So we kind of just laid out the third and fourth round targets that we're looking at, some at the wide receiver position. Obviously, we just talked about that. We're not too high on the wide receivers per se, comparative to the running backs. But let's say these guys are all gone. Who are some of the targets that we want to go after? And I'm going to pivot right to the tight end position, especially in tight end premium leagues, which is pretty much all Adam and I play in anymore. So let's start off with the UCLA tight end, Greg Dolchich. I actually have two shares of Greg Dolchich on my rosters already. JB, was it a good pick or did, am I going to get my, my heart broken on Greg Dolchich? So once again, I'm going to take your side. He is really the only tight end I want in this class outside of Trey McBride. Um, so... Greg Dolchich, sorry, um, came in at 6'4", 243 pounds. He ran a 4'7", 40, 73rd percentile, which gave him a 99.1% or speed score, rather, um, 62nd percentile. So the best thing about Greg Dolchich to me is his ability after the catch. So he, first of all, has a higher average depth of target than every tight end in this class, as well as many, many, many that preceded him, including the god Kyle Pitts. Um, he also has a higher yards after catch than Trey McBride. So when he gets the ball downfield, he is doing stuff after the catch. This year, he had games of three receptions for 100-plus yards with longs of 31, 38, 55, and a 75-yard reception. So he is a weapon when he gets the ball. He ended up um, with a 27.3 dominator rating, which is 82nd percentile for his career, had a 2.04 career yards per route run, and played in the slot about 42% of his snaps. Like I said, he's really the only other tight end in this class that I want. I mean, for fantasy, we want the guy getting the ball, getting downfield, scoring his points. I don't really care about blocking. Just get him the ball and get out of his way. I like Dolchich a lot. I think I kind of got 
you've seen him on film, you've seen him play, and he just he moves different for a tight end than what you're used to. He's not a big lumbering turd. He he moves very smooth. Like he he does have that wide receiver athleticism. It looks like when he's running running the ball, running routes. One of the things I wanted to point out is player profiler. They comped him to Kobe Fleener. And for some of you youngsters out there, you may not remember Kobe Fleener, but Kobe Fleener was on a really good trajectory before various reasons. A little bit of poor play, but some of the injuries and concussion things kind of derailed his career. But Kobe Fleener, I think at one point was like a a top 12 tight end, maybe tight end nine on the year, like that 700 yard range. Kind of think of that, you know, tight end ones weren't that sexy back then, but Kobe Fleener, Greg Dolchitz, I really kind of like that comp. When I think about him and the way he kind of plays, he does kind of remind me of, of Kobe Fleener, and especially like the Stanford version of Kobe Fleener, the, the Andrew Luck version of Kobe Fleener. Yes. Just that smoothness, that kind of big wide receiver who's playing tight end. And it's it's outstanding that you're talking about him being in the same breath in a metric as Kyle Pitts. The God Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Something Adam and I will bend over backwards to get Kyle Pitts. We're talking about Greg Dolchitz. This is a guy you get in the fourth, maybe even the fifth round of some of your rookie drafts. Right now, we had him going mid-fourth, and I ended up with two shares of him in the mid-fourth. Adam, what are your thoughts on Greg Dolchitz? Are you a fan now? Yes. Uh, I've been a fan of Dolchitz. Honestly, for me in these drafts, man, I don't know. It was just there was so much value in the fourth. Like, I think. Listen, this is obviously a dart. Like, you don't know what the hell's going to happen with these fours, right? I don't want to sit here, Dynasty Genesis, and tell you, "Oh, load up on fours because they're all going to pop." A lot of these guys, we like their profiles. We, reasons why we want them in the fourth, they may not hit. But I'll say this: in, in these pre NFL rookie drafts, there seems to be players and profiles that just fall because people don't know who's out there in that type of draft, right? This is one of those diligence things. Fourth round pick is not going to get you much, but if you, if you get a couple of them, man, I, I wish I would have had a couple more for us. I would have taken guys like Dolce. I used them all on Kevin Harris and all these other guys I wanted, right? Like I don't have all these fourth round picks, so I didn't get Dolce, but I, I like Dolce quite a bit. And, and we talked about this, Mike, on the Brevin Jordan inception time right like if you're going to take the tight ends later the sleepers make sure there's athleticism there make sure there's reasons to like the player and that he's an athlete and Greg Dolchus checks the box there are other tight ends in this class that don't provide that and Dolchus does I'm with you there too JB like it's Trey McBride and then I think there's probably a sizable gap you're gonna end up taking Trey McBride and tight end premium leagues in the mid part of the second the next tight end off the board, you're probably not taking to the fourth round, to be honest. I mean, yep. there might be some people who get crazy and take in the third round. But like Adam was mentioning, there's a reason he doesn't have a lot of dolches because in the fourth round, the early part where it's coming up, there's guys like Kevin Harrison, Bam Knight, still on the board. And that's who Adam's selecting at that time. Me, if I'm picking in the mid part, Adam's already taken the Kevin Harrison, the Bam Knight. I'm looking at it. The next pivot I'm making is to tight end. And the first one I'm starting with is Greg Dolchich. Yeah. But not to discount the second one, we'll make you work for this one. Jelani Woods, the other tight end target. What are <laughs> your feelings from an analytic? I, man, he did. 
Almost absolutely nothing. <laughs> this is a fun one. This is a fun at Oklahoma one. State JV, but Jelani Woods, Adam, Adam, and I both walked away with. I walked away with three shares of them. Adam walked away with one. These are our late fourth, early fifth round tight end dart throw targets. What is your opinion analytically on one Jelani Woods? I think you wasted a pick, to be honest. Ah, I like it. I like it. I, I need. I needed him to come at me at least once before we get out of here. No, I mean, like like you just got done talking about, there's so many other dart throws you'd rather throw in that range, especially like a running back. I mean, I'll, I'll take Keontae Ingram in that range. You know, there, there's guys like Jay Sean Corbin, Devontae Price, Hassan Haskins, and obviously the, the uh, Twitter favorite Julius Chestnut back there. But, I mean, Jelani Woods, I'm, I'm not going to have any of him. He didn't do anything until his final year where he only had 44 receptions, just under 600 yards, and he had eight touchdowns. But with his height, it's pretty much just throw it up and go get the rebound, you know. Um, I don't think he really gives much for you after the catch. I mean, even even though he's pretty athletic, I, 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 I'm just not seeing it. Oh, man, you got to give us at least one, right? One that we, we messed up on. Maybe it's going to be Jelani Woods. I, I'll take yeah, the that's, that's not to say that I'm going to be wrong, too. You never know. Hey, hey, I'll take it, though. One out of what have we done here? We've talked about Damian Pierce, Bam Knight, Kevin Harris, Justin Ross, Jalen Tolbert, Greg Dolchich. I mean, if we waited to the last one of the night to be wrong out of that list, I'm happy. I'm, I'm completely happy. We're, we're Honestly, we're talking about a mid to late fourth round, early fifth round rookie pick. More than likely on most of these guys, no matter how much we like them, our hit rate is probably not going to be very good. If we look back in a year, this list, we might have missed them all. They might all be trash. But these are some ideas to give to you, Dynasty Degenerates, of guys that we like. And then do they match up from the analytical profile, or are we just talking out our ass? When I see them on film and go, wow, this guy kind of looks good, or he made a really nice highlight here. Or I heard Ray talking about Kevin Harris coming into – man, Kevin Harris, I want to take him in the fourth round if he's still over. Do, does it match up? And who better to have on than JB to talk the numbers? Do the numbers lie? Yeah. Are the, are, are the numbers t- telling the whole story? Does it match up with what I see in my head? And if your numbers are matching up with what I see in my head, I'm in. It's worthy of taking that shot. I, I think – J- I'll say this. J- JB is highly likely to be right on Jelani Woods, right? There's not much production. Um, but I'll say the, the reasons why in the, la- the later fourth, if you're going to push the button, or even in the fifth, if you're going to push the button, 6'7", 250, and, and a very good athlete. And I've been seeing – the reason I've actually come around a lot on Jelani Woods, I've been seeing a lot of these mocks where he's going day two, right? So – if some of these teams, if some of these teams say we're just going to try to coach this big, huge body that's athletic into a tight end for us, that that's the intrigue for me. I and, and I can't argue with JB because what we've seen on in the collegiate football field, at Oklahoma State and Virginia is like uh, nothing, right? But six seven two fifty and all that high bars as far as an athlete, what the hell? I'll I'll roll the dice and hope that I hit on the diamond in the rough. I mean, the only like saving grace, I guess, to some extent, is is what you're talking about is the the size, the speed, the athleticism. 
maybe potential draft capital. I'm with JB. It is kind of wild to think that he went from pre-combine, I didn't even know who the hell this guy was, <laughs> coming out at the combine, running what he did and showing out athleticism. You're like, wow, this guy's a monster. He's huge. Where did he come from? Did you make him in a Madden creative player lab? That's what it looks like. And then now we go from the combine, me not even knowing who he is, and like Adam said, you can pull up just some random mock and if it goes two, three rounds deep, there's a good chance that maybe Jelani Woods is mocked somewhere in there. And I see him all the time to Cincinnati. It seems to be like the favorite. Isn't it? Spot. Isn't yes. it? I've seen it uh, more, way more than once. It's like, what is going on with Cincy? Maybe they know something. Maybe they know something. But and Burrow's like, I want this guy. I, If I'm wrong on Jelani Woods, I'm wrong on Jelani Woods. It's yeah. a wasted pick. But before right. we get out of here, before we bounce, let's just give you the fifth round of what we experienced. And you let me know if there's anybody out there that piques your interest. Just let the Dynasty Degenerates, the 4D chess fans know if there's any of these fifth-round targets in ADP that would pique your interest. So we'll start right at the top, and I can tell you this one probably isn't. Bailey Zapp, <laughs> Tyquan Thornton, Zaquandre White, Charlie Kohler, Jeremy Rucker, Romeo Dubs, Devontae Price, Sincere McCormick, Kevin Austin, Bo Melton, Abram Smith, and to finish it out, my guy, Iowa boy, Tyler Goodson. Any of those names pique your interest from an analytical standpoint, JB, or anything that you've dove into? Maybe it's just one number where you go like, hey, at the 509, might as well roll, your, roll the dice and, and shoot your shot on this guy. Um, You know, I don't have the numbers right offhand, but Devontae Price – he, he definitely seems to be a pretty efficient runner from what I remember in his limited carries at Florida International. Yeah. Um, he did have pretty good testing as an athlete. So if if there is somebody I'm going to take a shot on, it's, it's more than likely going to be a running back that has a profile like him. Just keeping hammering those running backs in rounds three four, five, keeping up the spirit. I love it. Yeah, this, is I mean, a, this is a great draft to do it in. Yeah, I mean, especially with the draft capital, those type of guys are going to have. I mean, you're looking at strictly day three guys. And out of all the positions, running back is probably the most likely to hit out of a day three pick. So I, I'm putting my eggs into that basket. It makes sense, it. honestly. Yeah. Why not? Why, why waste your time messing around? Why take in the uh, the Romeo dubs? I, more than likely, even if they do hit, you're not going to get anything out of it. Or if a guy like Devontae Price hits, hell, you might be able to just flip him for an easy second at some point. One cash, week during the season, starting out. running back, right? Just cash out, second round pick. You turned a fifth into a second. Congratulations. You're playing with house money now. Yeah, especially if he lands in some sort of a backup role, Injury behind an injury type guy. If he gets a one or two week stretch where he puts up top twenty four, top sixteen numbers, that I mean, heck yeah, that'd be awesome. It makes me it makes me reminisce or think about a couple years ago when I was stashing a guy by the name of Tyson Williams on my taxi squad, right? Undrafted fifth round in a in a lot of leagues. Like you're either taking him in the fifth round or he was on waivers. Put Tyson Williams on there one because he had a sweet ass name and two. He looked the part of a running back. He made a roster. He stashed Tyson Williams on the taxi squad. Now, currently, he's not worth fuck all. No one cares. But 
there for a moment after J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards go down and Justice Hill and it's a Tyson Williams show, you could easily get a second-round pick for your Tyson Williams shares. And this is where you tune into 40 Chess and you tune into the shit show. I promise you, when the peak season hits, we'll be telling you to get off the shitter. Get off. Get off. Get rid of it. It's time. Move it. Move it. Oh, man. I like doing this one, JB. It is a blast to have you on. Anything that you wanted to plug before you get out of here? I know you got a show that's coming up in a couple months. Oh, I'm excited. We're to the JB I'm excited. Podcast. Yeah, we, let, let's keep that for a later date. We still got some logistical things to work out there, but <laughs> it, it, it's coming. It's coming. But no, I mean, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's it's always good to be a guest and talk football with you guys. So. But yeah, I mean, like Mike said earlier, if you want to follow me, I don't really tweet too much right now, uh, finishing up my master's. And hopefully in the summer, I, I, I get more tweets out there, but it is at Jordan Backus 3-3. Hey, and as always, I said it before, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Come join the Discord. Come be a part of Destination Debbie. You get to interact daily with dope ass people like Jordan. You get to get all the nice little analytical uh, player cards that you made. That's what I was thinking of. I'm losing my mind here into <laughs> the night. I'm losing my mind here, but the player cards in Notion, they're so good, right? You just quickly, quickly pull up a player, boom, and you got the numbers there. And you even color coded them for us dummies like me and Adam. Perfect. Red is bad, green is good. Let's go, boys. <laughs> yeah, tried, tried to make it easy for the non numbers people. I mean, green to red, pretty obvious there. So, yeah. Adam, anything you want to touch on before we bounce out of here? I think that's it, man. This was a good one. JB, I really appreciate you being in the building, being a part of the 40 Chess. We're, we are so happy to have you on as the first guest on 40 Chess. And just yeah, remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 Chess. I almost cut off the best part right there. JB, love having you on. We appreciate you. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.